Welcome to another lecture presented by the Syracuse, New York class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational religious and scientific research organization dedicated in show to showing the proof of the existence of Yahweh or Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established branch schools throughout the United States and various parts of the world. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. At this time, I would like to introduce to you the Dean of the Syracuse Branch, Dr. Patrick Trevison. In this school, we use the correct, true, and original name and title of Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted with the title Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by the title God. And the name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of physical body is Yahshua. This has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and God's many. And we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means Elohim is the title that our creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a J in the English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, therefore making such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh, our Heavenly Father, is pure spirit, and in this state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh depicted on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because the cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. And if you take a look at this chart, you'll see that we have this fiery cloud painted all the way around the edges of the chart so that everything on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Now, Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in this pure spirit state, takes on shape and takes on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being, that is, having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This visionary shape and form can only be seen by divine vision and only understood by divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walks the earth plane as Yahshua Messiah, whom the world has come to know erroneously as Jesus Christ. 
Now there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is what was the name of our Savior during the time did he walk the earth plane? You can get a better understanding of his name and title by reading a preface to a holy name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. We call it a divine pattern because this is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Israel, out of Egypt rather, and into the wilderness to Sinai, he then called Moses on top of Mount Sinai and revealed this tabernacle pattern to him in a vision. Moses was instructed to return to the wilderness of Sinai, build one exactly as he had seen in the mount. This tabernacle pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments making up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof how that everything is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Now, in this school, we have 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, which are as follows. First is to help you find the know Yahweh, our element, as he really is and actually exists. Second, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Third, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth, to encourage and promote the study of scriptures, compared to religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. Tenth, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah, with the hope of immortal glorification in the newer state. Watch with his peace and a slogan to speak the truth. I'd like to have this evening's meeting dedicated with a prayer uh, by a member of the um, Ontario class, Dr. Sean Hudgenwardle. And our scripture readers this evening are Dr. Roxanne Rousseau from Green Bay and Dr. Dave Frankowski from our Oceanside class. And our scripture this evening is Ezekiel, the eighth chapter. And everybody, Sean. Um, thank you. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I'd like us all to bow our hearts and minds for a moment of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father Yahweh, we pray that as we all are gathered here uh, with the body of the assembly of Yahshua the Messiah is edified in that we or someone gains a greater and more profound knowledge and understanding of this great teaching and uh, the purpose, pattern, and plan of Yahweh uh, being drawn out. 
in this day. Uh, with those few words, uh, I'd like to say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, I'll be reading Ezekiel 8, chapter. And it came to pass in the sixth year, in the sixth month, in the fifth day of the month, as I sat in mine house, and the elders of Judah sat before me, that the hand of Yahweh Elohim fell there upon me. Then I beheld, and lo, a likeness as the appearance of fire, from the appearance of his loins even downward, fired, and from his loins even upward as the appearance of brightness, as the color of amber. And he put forth the form of a hand and took me by a lock of mine head. And the spirit lifted me up between the earth and the heaven and brought me in the visions of Elohim to Jerusalem, to the door of the inner gate that looketh toward the north, which was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provoketh to jealousy. And behold, the glory of Elohim of Israel was there, according to the vision that I saw in the plain. Then said he unto me, son of man, lift up thine eyes now the way toward the north. So I lifted up mine eyes the way toward the north, and behold, northward, at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said furthermore unto me, Son of man, seest thou what they do? Even the great abominations that the house of Israel committed here, that I should go far from my sanctuary? But turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, and abominable beasts, and all the idols of the house of Israel, portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them seventy men of the ancients of the house of Israel, and in the midst of them stood Jazaniah, the son of Shapa, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark, every man in the chambers of his imagery? For they say, Yahweh seeth us not, Yahweh hath forsaken the earth. He said also unto me, Turn thee yet again, and thou shalt see greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of Yahweh's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women, women weeping for Tamas. Then said he unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Turn thee yet again and thou shalt see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court of Yahweh's house, and behold, at the door of the temple of Yahweh, between the porch and the altar, were about five and twenty men, with their backs toward the temple of Yahweh, and their faces toward the east, and they worshipped the sun toward the east. Then he said unto me, Hast thou seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing, to the house of Judah, that they commit 
the abominations which they commit here. For they have filled the land with violence and have returned to provoke me to anger. And lo, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore, will I also deal in fury. Mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity. And though they cry in mine ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. That was Ezekiel, the eighth chapter. Thank you very much. And our first speaker, I'd like to introduce in the Syracuse class, Dr. Sharon Welch. Oh, good evening, everyone. I'm so surprised. Mm -hmm. It's always a pleasure to um, testify to the things that Yahshua has shown me since coming down to these classes. Um, you know, it just, uh, you realize how much it has changed your way of thinking, um, you know, your way of acting, um, and how powerful <clears throat> the knowledge of Yahshua can be um, to your soul. And, you know, this is a school, and it's not a church. We're not affiliated with any religious organization. So <clears throat> although we use the Bible, um, you know, we have charts that um, have biblical um, events on them. Uh, we use Moses and the prophets, and then we go to Yahshua um, and uh, the, the disciples. And, you know, it, it sounds like it would be religious, but it, we're not affiliated with any religious organization. Uh, and that's the difference between us and the world. Uh, <clears throat> is that um, we don't, uh, you know, uh, go to a church. Um, we don't uh, have ceremonies. Can I have the, um, the covenant chart, please? We don't, you know, have physical worshiping. We don't have uh, physical circumcision. We don't have a physical baptism. We don't have a physical supper. We don't have physical sacrifices. And we don't have physical ordinances or the Ten Commandments. We don't um, put that on um, ourselves or someone else uh, for, for discernment. <clears throat> what we do is what we've learned is the purpose of the, the reason why Yahshua the Messiah came in the flesh. And that is a mystery among a lot of people out in the world. I mean, there's, you know, 8 billion now, I think. And here we are down here, you know, uh, I, I've lost count of how many, um, you know, are seeing the truth here down in, in this institute, in this school. 
is not very money compared to the world. And it's a mystery that has been revealed to uh, those that Yahshua has chosen uh, to show um, his purpose to. <clears throat> and we need to, you know, realize <laughs> how powerful that is to, to your soul and how that that is going to be what is going to give you eternal life. So let me go back. <clears throat> I want to kind of work with this. Uh, uh, just do a foundational lecture. Um, not going to work with the scripture reading, but I would like to uh, set down a foundation of how this, what is going on here in Ezekiel, see, is happening down here at 2021, but the manifestation is different. So let me work with that, <clears throat> which to me, I didn't understand much of anything about this teaching until I realized the difference between a manifestation and a principle. I didn't realize that those two words never entered my vocabulary. Okay. <laughs> I know I didn't have a very, you know, large vocabulary coming down to the school. I wasn't that intelligent. Let's put it that way. Um, <clears throat> I had enough intelligence to see to, for Yahshua to work with, you know, and everybody does, but those words never entered my mind a manifestation and a principle. Now, if anybody has been educated down, you know, uh, in, in this world, they'll know those, what those two words mean. But a lot of people don't, don't know what those words mean. So a principle, um, we're gonna get a dictionary if the readers could, um, could do that. We're gonna get a principle and we're gonna get a manifestation. So let's get the definition of those um, before I go on. And if you don't have them, I can pull it up on my phone. I'm looking for principle right now. Okay. And I'm not talking about the principle of uh, your uh, high school principle. That's with an L-E, -L I think. We're looking for principle. Oh, yeah. Roxanne, do you have it? No? I have, I have principle. Okay. Uh, principle uh, is rule of action or conduct or a fundamental or tenant. Okay. I have okay. a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as foundation. Dave, you're Dave, Dave, you're you're going in and out, Dave. Your your volume is not right, Dave. <laughs> okay. 
used All right. as a I'll go tell Dave. For I'll go more. tell him. I have principles can also be used as... Okay, I think we're okay now, right? Roxy, can you... Uh... Yeah, I have um, a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief. Okay, a fundamental, a fundamental proof. Say that again, please. A fundamental truth. Uh-huh. Or proposition that uh -huh. serves as the foundation for a system of belief. Okay, now that's principle with a P-L-E, not P-A-L. Principle right. P-A-L is your high school principal. This is principle with uh, ending with P-L-E. And it is, I have a general scientific um, or law that has numerous special applications across a wide field. So it's the, and I also similar uh, words is the truth. So a factor belief that is accepted as true. So a principle is a fundamental truth, okay? Um, and that's way different than a manifestation. So does somebody have manifestation? I have manifestation. Thank you, Roxy. An event, action, or object that clearly shows or embodies something, especially a theory or an abstract idea. Second mm -hmm. definition, mm -hmm. the action or fact of showing an abstract idea showing it's showing something so in other words the manifestation is showing in a physical sense the principle of what you're trying to to, to show right. you can't really see a principle you know you can't go down to the store and buy truth you just can't do it it's not anything tangible right but you have to have a manifestation, uh, a, a truth um, that I'm going to be 67 in a couple of weeks. <laughs> That's the truth. And manifestation is my birthday. Okay. You can see it. I was born 1954. That's a manifestation of what my age is, which is, is a principle. You know, we learned that without even realizing what we were learning in kindergarten, we were learning numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember learning numbers by uh, the, the um, principle of two? I didn't know that two was a principle. I didn't know numbers were principles. You know, we just saw uh, two as being a manifestation, you know, and, or, or something physical, but it's not. Why? Because you can have two apples, you can have two oranges, you can have uh, two popsicles. See, two is the principle that stays the same. It's the truth. 
but a manifestation changes. A manifestation shows forth the principle, but the manifestation changes because you can have two apples, you can have two oranges, you, you know, uh, two uh, feet, two arms, you know, it's, it's the principle that we're trying to show you that is the truth. So <clears throat> the manifestation, see, of Yahshua getting on that cross, see, there's a principle behind all of that that was happening. And that's the first thing that I felt comfortable with when I walked into, I'll never forget that room in Portland where I walked in the side door was a long room and there was charts all along the wall. And I looked and I thought, oh boy. And I, I remember looking um, from, from left to right. And as I went to the end, they had Yahshua's, this chart here at the end. And I saw Yahshua on the cross, Jesus, which I knew then. And I felt, okay, maybe they're not that weird. <laughs> maybe this is maybe okay. Because it was something that the manifestation, you know, I saw, <clears throat> didn't know anything about the principle behind what was on that cross. The only thing I knew about the cross was that uh, Jesus died on that cross. And I had a cross on my wall with Yahshua on the cross. And I, you know, people wore crosses around their neck did not realize that the mystery behind that Yahshua being on the cross that everybody is looking at, see, uh, is so uh, not known out in the world because you're looking at the manifestation of that you know, and you're thinking all kinds of things that, oh, poor Yahshua. I mean, we used to have stations of the cross, you Catholics out there that know what that is. Stations of the cross in the church, you know, every other pew, I think, had a, a plaque and you would have to go around the church and say something or read it. I can't even remember. And it was Yahshua's uh, journey um, to to the cross, and I believe that that is uh, prevalent um, during this time of the year, which Sunday is Easter, um, and it would be you know him going to the cross, and it also I believe went past to the resurrection, um, if I remember correctly. John, Rick, do you remember? I can't remember if it went past the, the cross. But um, <clears throat> that's what we did. The manifestation of that was, oh, we're, we're worshiping Yahshua on the cross. The principle behind him getting on the cross is to bring in a new covenant. I didn't know that. I had that never entered my mind. Never. I I did not even think that there was an old covenant, let alone a new covenant. 
you know, we just went about uh, doing what we're told to do. And that's all that, you know, you have to do the Stations of the Cross a certain time of year, which I believe is Easter. And uh, <clears throat> so we just did it. <laughs> didn't have much meaning behind it. It was a manifestation. We didn't know anything about a principle behind what that all was saying to us. See, but we, now we can get Yahshua's journey from his birth all the way to past the cross and to his resurrection and to the glorification and to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we can see all of these manifestations that he went through and we can see the principle behind it and what it really means to us today, you know, and not what it meant back then and leave it there. That's not what it's all about. He did all of that so that uh, uh, he could, that, that we can see that he is uh, the savior, that he has come to save your soul. And we are without a shadow of a doubt that that's what he did. Now, I didn't even realize, you know, back then, just looking at a manifestation of what he did, you know, that it really meant anything to me, you know, or to my soul or that I even had a soul. I didn't know I had a soul. Most people out in the world don't even realize that they have a soul, let alone that it needs to be saved. You know, we just look at the physical body and we think we have a, a physical life and a physical body. And when it dies, we don't know what's gonna happen, but we're just gonna live life, just live the manifestation and not look at the principle behind what is happening. You know, out in the world, there's so many manifestations that Yahshua's still working with principle of manifestation. Don't think that it's, it's gone, you know, just because he's gone and it, oh, that's, his, that's his purpose, you know, is the principle and the manifestation and how that everything, the manifestation that things are happening out in the world, you know, are showing forth him. The principle is always showing forth Yahshua or Yahweh. It's not showing forth you and your uh, physical life. Principles of what is happening, the manifestation you're looking at, you should be seeing Yahshua the Messiah and his purpose overturning and overturning and seeing how that uh, he has <clears throat> shown you that he is real. You know, that that is so profound to me to, to, and I've been realizing that lately as how that we need to know for a surety that Yahweh is real. He is real right within you. You know, if you're looking at a manifestation and you don't see the principle behind it, you're not seeing Yahshua in, 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 in his, uh, uh, effect on you. Uh, principle of manifestation. Now, <clears throat> we're going to go to this chart here, and we're going to see that the old covenant, you know, had a lot of manifestations. Everything that happened out in the, uh, in the old covenant, which is 
the law of Moses. Let's get um, um, Isaiah 8 and 20. Got to realize what the Old Testament, which it says here, the old, what is the Old Testament? Isaiah 8 and 20. To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Now we want light. And what is light? A principle. Light is a principle. You know, you think that a light bulb, that's a, that's a manifestation of light. You know, how are you going to grab a hold of light? I mean, you can't even look at the sun. That's light. That's a principle. See, uh, a manifestation of light is a light bulb, is a candle. There's different, different manifestations of, of, a, of, a, of the principle light. So if the light in you, what is that? That's the truth. You know, you're, you're enlightened. Where does that come from? If you're enlightened, that means that you know something, see, about a certain subject. Well, we're talking about knowing Yahshua. So to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, what word? The law and the prophets, there is no light in them. So the Old, Old Testament is the law, which is the first five books of Moses, and the prophets, which is the next 34 books of the prophets, which are you know, Jeremiah was a prophet, Isaiah was a prophet, and so on, and Malachi, and they're all prophets, and they're prophesying. What if they, pro what does prophesying mean? That means that they're telling something that's going to happen. So what's going to happen is Yahshua is coming in to save your soul. That's what they're prophesying about. So the old covenant <clears throat> has many manifestations, see, of the principle basically is that Yahshua, let's get Matthew 121. Yahshua is coming in to save your soul. That's what all of the law and the prophets is really, uh, uh, the, the, the principle is, what is going to happen? Let's get Matthew one twenty one. I Matthew, know that some of y'all know this, but let's just do it. Matthew 1 and 21. Mm -hmm. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou, and thou shalt call his name Yahshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. So we know that, okay, we know Mary uh, was impregnated you know, I didn't know. I just knew she was pregnant and had Jesus. I didn't realize that her and Joseph never came together and that she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. That's a mystery. The world does not know that, guys. We can't take these things for granted because they mean something. She was impregnated by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is telling Joseph, what to name his son? See, he says, read it again. 21, mm -hmm. and she shall bring forth a son. Right. And, 
Thou shalt call his name Yahshua. Right. So the angel, I'm sorry, the angel is talking to Joseph and says, she is going to uh, bear a son and thou shalt call his name. He's even telling him what to call his son's name. Mm -hmm. Now that's a privilege for a mother and father to name their child. Well, they didn't have that, you see, because there's a, a principle behind that, see, so the angels tell Joseph, so she shall bring forth the son and thou shalt call his name Yahshua, mm -hmm. a colon. Don't we say what a colon means? Is that something's going to explain what was just said. So what's the explanation of, of, of his name being called Yahshua? For he shall save his people from their sins. For he shall save his, his people. He's not come to save the world, folks. He's come to save his people from their sins. So that's the reason why he has come in the flesh is for salvation. And everything that is spoken of by the law and the prophets is showing forth Yahshua's purpose is coming in to save souls. So everything that's happening um, in, in, you know, in your book, in the Law and the Prophets, eventually is going to show you something about Yahshua. And all of these things that happened back in the law, you know, and, and we're just going to, you know, just see this baptism and ceremonies and suppers and all of that, that the children of Israel had to do under that old covenant. You see, that is um, just a manifestation. It's a manifestation. They had to physically do those things, but there's principles behind circumcision is that the head is exposed. Yahshua being the head he is going to be exposed. You see, ceremonies is that, um, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know about baptism is baptism with water and you're gonna be baptized in, in Yahshua's spirit. See, that's, that's, the, that's the reality of it or the truth behind it. The manifestation is water, but the principle, <clears throat> see, is being immersed. And you, he says, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing or immersing them in water. No, in the name of Yahshua, of Yahweh. See, teaching them to observe all things. Teaching. Now, I never correlated baptism with teaching. I correlated baptism with water. But here, Yahshua in Matthew 28, C19, I can't get all these quotes because I, I got five minutes. And uh, you can't, you see his baptism and teaching, he wants you to know him. And by you knowing him, he's gonna show you the manifestation and he's gonna reveal the principle. The manifestation is the vision. The principle is the revelation of that vision. You get that? See how simple that is? If you see, uh, just like go to the Moses chart, please. 74 of the elders saw 
they saw the vision of Yahweh Elohim. See, that's, that's, they saw that vision. They saw the manifestation of Yahweh Elohim. That's the vision. But Moses alone went up and had the revelation or the principle. The 70 elders saw the manifestation of Yahweh Elohim. Moses saw the principle or the reality or the truth of Yahweh Elohim and how that he is the pattern and blah, 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 blah. You see, he saw more than what the, what the 70 elders saw. So that manifestation is way different than the principle because you can't get the revelation without the principle being revealed to you. And that's what <clears throat> we get when we come down here and hear the truth because you in, in Hebrews, you know, you have to hear the truth. Um, you have to hear the gospel, which is your salvation, 1 Corinthians 15. You need to hear the gospel, and the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection are, are, are uh, uh, manifestations. You get the manifestation. You see the principle behind the death. You see the principle behind the burial. You see the principle behind the resurrection. And then you'll, if you get the principle, you get the revelation, then you see how that is working within you. And that is your salvation because it is Yahshua in you that is your salvation, your only hope of glory. It's only, you see, <laughs> you're not going to get it any other way. And I just thank Yahshua daily that he shows me the principles behind all of these manifestations that's bombarded us from, you know, all over the place, your life, your, the world, and just sit back and see the principles that he's trying to show you and uh, have faith, you know, have hope. We hope for that immortal glorification you know, and it's, it's not hope that's not seen, you know, it's it, or not hope that's seen, it's hope that's unseen, because it's that, uh, that salvation of your soul. Um, and with that, I hope that, I hope I laid a pretty good foundation. I don't know, but whatever came out was what came out. And I just give all glory and honor to Yahshua, the Messiah. Mm. Thank you, I got it. Thank you, Dr. Welch. Um, our next speaker will be from the Syracuse class, Dr. Scott Miller. Evening, class. Evening, Scott. Hope everyone can hear me okay. Yeah, I think you're good. Um, let's see. Um, It's, uh, I'll try to carry on in the same vein Sharon was talking about. She was talking about principle and manifestation and um, what that means in the gospel and also how our gospel is a unity. And 
through the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost, we can understand that unity because he's revealed that through his spirit um, by putting that in us. So, and we know Easter's coming up. Um, it's the Hebrew Passover, um, according to the Jewish calendar recently. Um, that's also coming up in April. So there's a lot to, lot to work with, but I was thinking of the resurrection. Um, so why don't we go over to Luke um, in the 24th chapter, if you want to pick it up at 1. Luke 24, 1. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Right, because when they went, they were expecting a body to be there, honestly. If they, if they were expecting him to be resurrected, then they wouldn't have brought spices and stuff because they were planning on finding a stinky body. So, and, and you're supposed to prepare the body under Jewish tradition as soon as possible after death. Go ahead. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher and they entered in and found not the body of the Messiah. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, they bowed down their faces to the earth and said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Right. See, he is risen. And he told them that he that what was good, you know, that's how it was going to be. And if you go back to like the Passover and Exodus, um, what happened to, didn't they have to totally consume the bread? Was, you know, there was nothing left. So when they're, not the bread, but the lamb, they had to totally consume the lamb. And they also had unleavened bread, which mean he hadn't risen yet. So, and the Jews to this day, they were talking about on the news the other day, how people were trying to get all the bread out of their house because it had leaven in it. It's not even realizing they're doing that stuff. Um, and it's pointing to the Savior, Yahshua, because he hadn't risen yet back then under the old covenant. But see, now he had risen. So, and he, there was going to be nothing in that tomb because that lamb had to be totally consumed. So it's just one of those things that he had to fulfill. Um, keep reading. Six, he is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. Right. But see, they weren't, they weren't hearing that. <laughs> Keep reading. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulcher and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them who told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. See, their words seemed to them as idle tales. And they see they had, and that's just, having unbelief is a serious thing in the gospel. You don't want to be caught having unbelief. That's how Israel was broken off because of unbelief and why they weren't allowed to enter into to Canaan's land because of unbelief. 
and see. But you can't just have that's that's one of the mysteries of this gospel is you just can't have you you think you believe and you think you have faith and you think you understand, but until he he opens your understanding and shows you and and is in you, then you really can't have that faith. You can't have that belief because he has to be in you to have it. So um I guess keep keep going. Twelve. Then arose Peter and ran unto the sepulcher, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed, wondering in himself at that which was to come to pass, which was come to pass. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Yahshua himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not recognize him. Right. So now Yahshua, he's right there with them. And, and now, of course, they, they knew what he looked like, right? It's not like they didn't know who he was, but they didn't. But according to the scriptures here, they didn't, he did, they didn't know who he was. You know, they weren't even thinking that they, in their mind, he was dead and gone. He wasn't coming back. So they're not even thinking. So when they see him, he, so of course he resurrected his spiritual body. He didn't resurrect a physical body like the world believes. See, he's a quickening spirit. And so, but it also says that you see Yahshua was, was restraining their eyes. Keep reading. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one with another? as ye walk and are sad. And oh, the wait, one can, you read, can you read 16? Sure. 16. But their eyes were holden that they should not recognize him. Right. So their eyes were holden, or my margin of the translator says. Restricted. Right. right. Or restricted that they should mm -hmm. not. See, that's just, we will just read right over that. And see, that's the power of Yahshua right there. See, you can't, you know, we would read over that and, and everyone does because, but that's like, Something like that is, is highly important because it shows who's running the show here. It shows, and that's how predestination works. That's how everything works. Yahshua's got it all under control. They didn't know him because he didn't allow them to recognize him. He restrained their eyes. that They should, they should not know him. That wasn't by accident. That wasn't, it wasn't time yet. It was before Pentecost. And see, they weren't allowed to, they were only allowed to understand some things on a temporary basis. See, but now after Pentecost, we're, you know, the, the times of the, of those times of, of ignorance, Yahweh winked at, you know, but now he's not winking anymore. See, we're supposed to know and understand, you know, through his grace in this new covenant by having the Holy Spirit placed within us, not of any works of righteousness that we've done on our own, but it's through grace. But see, their eyes were holding that they wouldn't know him. Keep reading. Uh, 17, and he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that ye have one with another as ye walk and are sad? Right, because he knows how they're feeling, read. And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Right, it's basically 
just saying, have you been living under a rock? <laughs> you don't know what's been going on during this. Year. You know how this guy said he was the Messiah and he, how he got crucified and put to death in front of Rome and all of Israel and the, and the leaders put him to death. Read. And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Yahshua of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before Elohim and all the people. Right. See, they and thought, that, like a pro like in the world thinks Jesus is a prophet, but see, they didn't know that was the creator himself. Right. That's why he was able to restrain their eyes. That's why he's able to resurrect. That's why he's able, he's, you know, like it says in um, Hebrews, I think it's 12 and 2, looking up to Yahshua, the author and finisher of our faith. See, he's running this whole show, and hopefully when I'm done, uh, time willing, you'll be able to, to see that. But, okay, keep reading here. So he's asking them, and they're going to explain why they, how they looked at things in Israel. See, they thought that Yahshua and, and the Jews to this day are waiting for the Messiah to come back to restore physical Israel. See, it was never about physical Israel. It's about spiritual Israel. And, and they felt that the Messiah was going to restore Israel to a great nation. And then the tabernacle or the temple will be rebuilt and reinstituted and, and all. And they believe a lot of Jews believe this stuff to this day that Jesus is going to come back or the Messiah is going to come back to Jerusalem. And wherever your bones are, they're going to roll through tunnels and everything's about physical Israel. But see, we know that's just it's, it's about spiritual Israel, which is the bride, which is us. So keep reading. 20. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And we hoped that it had been he who should have redeemed Israel. And right. besides, we hoped, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to break some of this down. But we hoped or trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. So they were upset that he didn't redeem. Of course, he did redeem. He's redeeming spiritual Israel, spiritually. But he set up the physical covenant first to show that how the physical was going to reveal the spiritual covenant. Um, keep reading. And besides all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company amazed us who were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Right. So the angels were there. They showed him a vision, which is that's how anyone has an understanding is having a vision. Keep reading. And certain of those who were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them. Oh, fools and slow of hearts to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Right. So he's just telling them, we call that scripture, Luke 20, you know, we can go over to the 44, where it was, he's showing how everything that he had done, everything that Yahshua had set up in the law and the prophets was to show forth him coming. It wasn't, that, it wasn't that he was going to redeem physical Israel. They were completely looking at it wrong, as the world does to this day. And he explains why all those things were, all the, why he set up a principle and manifestation. 
why he set up a physical way to worship, why he set up a tabernacle. All the principles in the tabernacle, if you look at the tab, Greg, if you can pull up the body tabernacle chart. And we could just go through, uh, you know, like if you start in the, in the gate, in the lower, in the outer court, and you have the brazen altar, then you have a principle of a death. And with labor, burial, and the oil, resurrection. You have death, burial, resurrection. Or blood, water, and spirit. And you have, he was a sacrificial, he was a lamb. He was a sacrifice. He is our cleansing. He is our anointing oil. He is our, he is our quickening. He's a quickening spirit. And if you go into the holy place, he's, you look at the candlestick. And you could look at that, and we'll relay that on the dispensation and ages and show how Yahshua comes in and on the fourth and and he's the light of the world and how he in the altar of incense how he's the only intercessor and that it, the incense was a, a manifestation of that but the principles behind it are yashua intervening for us is yashua being the bread giving us sus spiritual sustenance you got to flip all these things spiritually in light of illumination or understanding or life um, bread sustenance it's not about the physical act of eating bread or the physical act of lighting candles or burning incense and smelling it and see that's what the mystery of iniquity he can't see the spirit he just wants to see he sees the physical so when you walk into church that's all you're inundated with is physical things that hit your senses and try to throw you off the, the mark you know but it's been a spiritual covenant for two thousand years and everyone missed it they missed his resurrection they missed Pentecost. So he's resurrected and he's explaining that uh, ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and entered into his glory. You know, and in the beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded on the things and all the scriptures, the things concerning him. You know, and if, like I said, we go back and if you go into the most holy place, see, that's where Yahweh dwells. That's where you're going to get a revelation. That's where on the day of atonement, the high priest only with garments of beauty and glory was able to go up there once a year. See, and then that flash of the Shekinah reveals like that revelation. See, he set all these things up. See, in our scripture, we see how these things had been destroyed and misconstrued and, and set up for idols, you know, and they turned their back on the tabernacle and they prayed to Sumerian gods to moves and but um, I want to get through the scripture. Um, so, so let's keep going. Okay. 27, I'll say again. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And they drew near unto the village to which they went. And he made as though he would have gone farther. But mm -hmm. they constrained him saying, abide with us. For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat eating with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Uh -huh. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished out of their sight. Right, right. So now they wanted him now, you know, they they wanted to talk to, to, to him, and, but they still didn't know, you know, they still weren't sure what was going on. 
But after he gave him the bread, read 31 again. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. Yes, and now their eyes it. were opened. Now, it wasn't because they took physical bread, or the, it wasn't the bread. It's just he, he had constrained their, in verse 15, he had constrained their eyes, or 16. He had, he had, it wouldn't allow them, but here, then they realized who, who he was. Then he says he vanished. And see, that's what Dr. Kinley would call transmutation of spirit where it just said he vanished out of their sight. See these things we would read over and we would just, I don't know what I would think of that. Say he vanished and be like, I don't know, okay. <laughs> he's a man, how's he gonna vanish, you know? But he's not a man, he's the creator of the universe. And he can pick up the flesh and lay it down. And he says that no man, I don't know if anyone knows who that is. I say, I lay down my life, no man take it. I lay it down of myself and take it again. anybody know where that is? John, I think maybe. John 10, 17. That's three, yeah. John 10, 17. Therefore, does my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. Right. That I lay down my life that I might take it again. Read. 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. Right. No man take. Well, I thought Pilate said there was no fault in them, but they still, the rulers said that, you know, the chief priests. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees said, hey, you know, he's guilty. You know, I thought men killed him. But see, that's not, again, if you understand who this is and how the purpose operates, Yahshua was in complete control at every second. At, uh, there's, there's no time where he's not in control. Mm -hmm. It says all, all creatures are manifest in his sight. And then shouldn't a, a sparrow fall from a tree and he doesn't, isn't aware of it? And for like every head of our hair is numbered. I mean, that's the kind of control and power that even, even with the Holy Spirit is hard to conceive, much less. You'll never understand that without the Holy Spirit. It's, it's difficult to understand with it. Mm -hmm. See, but, okay, read 18. 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This but, commandment have I received of my father. Right. He's received it from his father that he can lay it down and take it again. And see, that's what he did. He, when it was time, see, he was, he was, he died on the Passover. That last supper was the last Passover supper. So he died on Passover for the Jews and right on time, he was at sacrifice. Not a minute too soon, not a minute too late. Um, okay. Let's go back to um Luke 24 32 um sure and they said one to another did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us along the way and while he opened to us the scriptures and they rose up to the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and those who were with them saying 
Yahshua is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done along the way and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Right, so and we're spreading they, around that Yahshua is resurrected and what's going on. See, so he had disappeared. Now he's going to show back up again. Keep reading. And as they thus spoke, Yahshua himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, <laughs> Peace be unto you. See, now he was gone before. He just said he disappeared. Now he's standing in the midst of them. He just, now he's just showing back up again. You know, he's laying it down and picking it up. And he, he can transmutate spirit. Um, he did it at the Mount of Transfiguration, which we don't really have time to get, I don't think. And, and um, well, just keep reading. 37. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed that they had seen a spirit. Right. So they were terrified and frightened. So Yahshua knew that they were. And they had like he wasn't in a physical form. So they knew that someone had just came in through the door that way that you know, just showed up that, it, you know, they were scared. So he tried to make them less scared. So keep reading. And he said unto them, why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Right. Why do you know they're troubled? Why are you thinking things? You know, he knows he can read their mind. Read. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. Right. And so this, this is a difficult thing because a lot of Christians will point to this and say, well, see, he's eating, he's, he eats broiled fish and honey after. And, and see, but that's, you know, that's not how the scriptures bear out. And he, he has the ability to, again, appear and look like he's doing things. For their sake, so they wouldn't be scared or they wouldn't be shaken because he knows that they were troubled. So he's trying to, you know, sort of be human for him, but he's a spirit. Um, and it says that and it explains that in Corinthians. Um, and again, you're pretty much, I guess, read a little bit more down. Um, and when, he, and 40, and when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. Mm -hmm. And while they were yet, and while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here anything to eat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, that mm -hmm. all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Right. And that's the big, he wants them to see that all the things that were done in the law and the prophets were done concerning him. And that it was all about him and that he, it wasn't about him restoring Israel back to its former glory. It was about him building spiritual Israel. Um, I guess let's go over to uh, first Corinthians in the 15th chapter, because it picks up some of this, how the resurrection works. You want right at one? Um, no, First Corinthians 15 30. and 35. Okay. First Corinthians 15 and 35. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? 
right? Now that's a valid question, right? We want to know some of those same things, like, you know, if someone's buried or through the resurrection that Yas was talking about, what body are you going to have? Keep reading. 36. Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened, except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. Right. Now, we always talk about Romans 1, 19 and 20 and a seed, and I never really knew that Paul did the same thing. He's talking about sowing a seed and how that seed is dead and it has to be buried. And when this, when, when that seed resurrects, it doesn't resurrect a seed. It doesn't, it says, and thou which sowest, thou sowest not that body. You don't sow the flower. You sow the seed that's dead. Or you don't sow, you know, the product. You sow the seed and then it comes up a, a different creation, hmm. you know. Some, some things, you, uh, they're little tiny seeds and the, what comes out of them, like a mustard seed or, you know, some of these giant trees from a little pine cone, like a giant redwood can come out of that. It's amazing. But see, you don't plant a redwood, you plant a seed. Mm -hmm. It sounds, seems easy and simple, but and it, see, there's a change in the resurrected. The body's different. You know, and we look at that best example is the butterfly. There's a butter, you know, how, what a new creature that is, how beautiful it is, how that change it goes through. So in Yashua, did the same thing. Uh, keep reading. 38. But Yahweh giveth a body as it hath pleased him, and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial. Right, because there's that's why there's different. There's fish, there's birds, because there's angels, there's there's different things in the creation that these things are pointing to. Read. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Right. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There you go. It's right there. It is sown a natural body. And this is talking about Yahshua. Uh, and then he goes in and he compares Adam, the first Adam and Yahshua and stuff. Keep reading. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. The Yahshua was that last Adam was made a quickening spirit. See how he's saying that the, how the law and the prophets in these events that happen in the Bible, like with Adam and Eve, that people think didn't happen, were made up. See, they're important because they show how these things work, how one was set up to be a type and a shadow, and Yahshua was going to come in and fulfill that and be the spiritual example of that and be in our hearts and minds so we'll understand in our tabernacle. See, the world just takes elements of the tabernacle and drags it on the other side of the cross and they label it the new covenant when they're really doing the old covenant. 
There's nothing spiritual about the way the world worships. They don't understand how it works. Just like they don't understand how Yahshua raised the spiritual body, they think he raised the physical body. And see, our resurrection is, if you're worried about a physical resurrection, it's, it's, you're in the wrong place. You know, that's not going to happen because uh, uh, we're coming up on a universal revelation of Yahshua. Everything's going to be burned up in his sight. And that which is going to be left is that which is made to go on and it's going to have a body. It's, you know, and it talks about, you know, some of these things. But keep reading. 46. How be it that was not first, which is spiritual, but that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual. Right. And he's talking about the covenants and how it was set up. The first covenant was natural or physical and the second one was spiritual. And see, that's how it's set up where we, you have to see things physically first before you can see them spiritually after. Read. 47. The first man is of the earth, earthly. The second man is Yahshua from heaven. Mm -hmm. And is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And see that second man is Yahshua from heaven. See, they, people think Jesus was just a man, so they don't see how it, but the book tells you right there in black and white, not only did he raise the spiritual body, but that he was, he was the creator from heaven. You know, there are three that bear record in heaven. The blood, the water, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Read. 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Mm -hmm. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of Elohim. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Right. See, flesh and blood, when we go over... There's nothing in flesh and blood that are going to inherit the kingdom. They cannot inherit the kingdom because the kingdom is not meat and drink. But what is it? It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he also says it does. the kingdom doesn't come with observation. Whereas the kingdom is low here, low there. But where is the kingdom? Where does it say the kingdom is? It's within you. And see, that's the point of the tabernacle to show the indwelling of the spirit. Which we know, I don't know how much time, how much time is left? Maybe five minutes or? Yeah, five minutes. Yep. Okay. Um, oh boy. Um, keep reading. 51. Um, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Right. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Right, we shall be changed, see? And that's talking about the universal route. See, everyone's sort of either sleeping with the fathers now, you know, and I talked about that the last time or two when I was on the floor, how, you know, we're raised in religion to believe that when someone dies that they're basically judgment happens then or you go on and you're either you know you're, when you die you either go to heaven or hell at that point in time but that's not true no one we're we're still in the judgment now why why we're in the flesh um we're still fighting for souls souls are still being sealed and those souls that are sealed they're waiting for that day of redemption to go on and to have that immortal glorified body that was coming up that we're going to have we're going to be like him see and we're going to be changed 
Um, and we got to be changed already. That's the reality of it. You got to be changed now in this covenant. You're sealed in this covenant now. Once you die or in the afterlife, it's too late to know your creator. You have to know your creator now. Um, well, I think I'm going to end it there. Um, I hope somebody got something out of that and it wasn't too confusing. And I'll praise the actual. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Miller. Our next speaker is the Dean of the Oceanside Branch, Dr. Dennis Wolpe. I want to say good evening to everyone. Uh, I have to say that this subject that was expressed here by the first two speakers uh, was very thought-provoking. And Can as far as I me? was concerned, I thought I thought they did a beautiful job. Both Dr. Dennis Colby. Yes. Can you hear me? Hello. Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me now? Yep. Now I can hear you. I'm sorry. I unmuted my microphone. Forgot to unmute the <laughs> the Zoom position there. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. As I was saying, and I'll repeat. Um, I thought the first two speakers did a marvelous job and there was a lot of thought-provoking, stimulating points that were made by both speakers. And I, my mind is just flooded with different ways that we can carry this, uh, carry this on. And so I hope to pick up from a couple of points from both of the first two speakers. Now, let me start out by saying this. Being raised a Roman Catholic and I was uh, involved in, uh, I went to parochial school when I, was a, when I was a kid. We were told that when we die, that our body goes out there to the cemetery, and at the end of the world, that our soul would be reunited with the body, that the body would come up out of the ground, and our soul then would be reunited with the body. Now, when I walked into class, and I remember learning uh, from the things that were being taught that were given to us by the founder, and he pointed out that the resurrection is not reconstituting your physical body, but that you're being prepared to receive a new body, which is what Scott just got done working with there, and how we're going to receive an immortal glorified body, which is one of the aims of our organization. That really struck me because of the fact that it made more sense to me of why would you want to be reconnected to your body, especially if you weren't happy with a body that you have had while you've been in the flesh. Now, we have to understand that Yahweh has laid out for us a roadmap and a way to comprehend what the reality of the resurrection is and how it's going to work. Now the resurrection, ladies and gentlemen, that Scott was just, just got done laying down the groundwork for is the resurrection of the inner man. And what I want to talk about for a minute is Yahweh's purpose and how it's going to function and operate in regards to the resurrection. Now let's go over to Romans for a minute, the 8th chapter. And let me see where I want to go here. I want to go to Romans 8, and let's see here. 
I want you to pick up where it talks about the creature being created. It's around 17, maybe, 817, perhaps. Hmm. Not sure where. Try 19. Didn't find 19? Go ahead. Uh, somebody said, all right, Romans 8 and 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of Yahweh. Keep reading. For the creation, for the creation was made subject to vanity, or right the creature there. was made right yeah. there. Now, what that's a reference to in some Bibles, it uses the word creature. They're both the same thing. Mm -hmm. The creature mm -hmm. is, is something that was created. Now, I, I I want you to understand that Yahweh is not resurrecting the physical creation. The creation is not going to be made new and we're going to dwell throughout eternity in the earth plane with a physical body, which some religions perpetuate quite heavily. But the fact is that it's the creature, and the creature in reality, going back to the lecture that, that uh, Sharon gave about principle versus manifestation, or correctly understood by manifestation, however you want to view this, the creature is really the soul. The soul is a created aspect of spirit or entity of spirit that Yahweh made. And when he created the souls that would be put down into a physical body, he created them subject to vanity, meaning they were deprived of knowledge. Deprived, and you can look up the word vanity in the Strong's Concordance, and you'll see that it's a deprivation of knowledge and basically uh, understanding uh, uh, when it comes to the Creator. And so what he did really is he, in the purpose, purpose that all creatures would be dead because we know that life Eternal is to know our Creator and to understand His purpose and plan. To have a knowledge of Yahweh and Yahshua is eternal life. Without that knowledge, you are walking dead. That's what you are. And all creatures were devoid of that knowledge until a prescribed time in the purpose. Uh, Greg, go over there and get the, uh, 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 the um, ages chart, please. All right, yeah, get, if you wouldn't mind. Now, if you look at the first age there, the physical creation and the angelic, what we have is the creatures being created at that point, both angel and man. And their souls, both angel souls and the souls that were in us, were a creation that Yahweh had preordained and destined unto the fulfillment of a purpose, which we know the purpose is salvation. Now, what Yahweh did when he put the man in the creation, and I'm going to deal with the man specifically here now, he put him in here devoid of the knowledge of good and evil, which means he didn't know the creator, didn't have a knowledge of Yahweh, nor did he know anything about the mystery of iniquity. Adam did not know the purpose of Yahweh, 
and there's a there's a transcript where Dr. Kinley actually says that. Now, when the man committed the transgression by eating the fruit, death was pronounced upon all men from that point forward. And what we find out is that in the first, second, and third age, there was nobody that was walking in the creation that was spiritually alive. We were all dead from Adam all the way down through. Whether it was Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, Methuselah, uh, Jeremiah, uh, you name it, Ezekiel. We all were dead. Now Yahweh had foreordained that that all men would be dead and in a state of darkness and a state of condemnation. Now there's a reason why he had to set it up that way. Because what he was doing was this. He was laying in for us by using us in the purpose to demonstrate later on how that he was the resurrection of life. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Now, when Adam was at the... Now, get me the uh, uh, elementary chart of the Garden of Eden, please. Now, what we got here in this first plate here, the transgression plate... What we have is that Yahweh is setting up something here. Now, I remember Dr. Kinley talking about how that he had listened to a minister one Sunday morning on uh, one of the TV evangelists talking about how God was sitting back watching uh, Adam in the Garden of Eden when he was there at the, uh, at the tree and waiting to see what Adam would do, whether he would eat that fruit or not, and that when Adam ate the fruit, he broke God's heart. That's the way this minister had portrayed it. And I remember Doc telling me about it. And he said, now that ain't the way it is. He said, Yahweh set that man up the fall three days before he was even created. And I'm not, I don't have a long time to go into all this, but I'll just run this quick. He talked about in the seven days account that Moses gives in the book of Exodus that is now in the book of Genesis. On the third day, there was the seed of vegetation that was brought into the earth, and, it, and in there it specifically states that seed shall yield seed after its own kind. Now the first commandment that Yahweh gave to Adam was to be fruitful and multiply. That was before he was told not to partake of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now he, Dr. Kinley said to me, he said, now if they were able to recognize how the purpose works, they would know that when Yahweh used the term to be fruitful, they could refer right back to the third day when the fruit trees who had to bear offspring in a process where the fruit had to die, that is to say fall away from the tree, be buried in the ground, and then a new tree would come forth after that death and burial. And that's the way Yahweh set up the creation for fruit to bear offspring after its own kind. Now, if they knew that, he said, they would recognize that when Yahweh told Adam to be fruitful and multiply, 
that the same process that he did in the third day would apply to Adam. Because if you remember, when Yahshua healed the blind man, the man saw a vision, and he said that men walk as trees. So a man and a tree are synonymous. We have our roots that we call it, our family tree. We even refer to our ancestors as being a part of a tree, and we have roots. So we're likened unto a tree. So if the trees have to bear fruit by a death and a burial and a resurrection, then the only way for Adam to be obedient to the first commandment that was given was for him to die at that tree, undergo a death and a burial, that later a resurrection would emerge. As we see, he sets the pattern. First death, then burial, then resurrection. Now get me the tabernacle, if you would. You can do it right on this chart if you, if you want to slide over to a, uh, the tabernacle there on the, on the elementary chart. Now if you see in the tabernacle here, the first vessel that we have in the court roundabout is the altar of burnt incense, principle of death. Second vessel is the water, which is the labor, which symbolizes the principle of a burial. And of course, then after that, we have the holy anointing oil, which symbolizes a quickening or a resurrection. So we have a death, burial, then a resurrection. We don't have a resurrection, a burial, then a death. doesn't work that way. Death, burial, resurrection. Now watch, go over to the Moses chart now for me, please. Or get it, you can get it on this chart if you get to the elementary, or the, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. Now if you look at the plate here, a migratory pattern. Yahweh sets up when he puts the children of Israel, who were the chosen people, that Yahweh himself chose, he put them down into Egypt. And they were under hard bondage. And we know that Yahweh had to set up those plagues. Those plagues were not by chance. When Moses was sent down to Egypt, Yahweh said, now listen. He said, you go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He said, but I'm sure, of course I'm paraphrasing, and, and you can check it for yourself. He said, I'm sure that the, he won't, because I will harden his heart. Yahweh hardened Pharaoh's heart for this reason. Not because he takes great joy in destroying Egypt. But he has to set up that principle in the ten plagues <coughs> down to the to last two plagues are the plague of darkness and the plague of death. Now Israel was in that area of Egypt when the death angel was to pass over that Yahweh had to provide them a way not to be destroyed by that plague. So he told the, uh, Moses to have the people offer a lamb, you know, kill a lamb, take the blood, you all know these things, our, our basics, put it around the door, and they had to consume the lamb. Then from there, they were to eat it with their, their uh, staff in their hand and their shoe shot, ready to come up out of Egypt. Now we know the next thing we find out after they had that Passover was they had to get to the Red Sea. Now that sea, we've all heard this taught a million times, I'm sure, that the sea was a figure of a burial. They were buried with Moses in baptism. That's what you read over there in Corinthians. And then they come up out of that land following the Spirit, which is showing forth a resurrection. Now here's what I want you to know. The resurrection cannot happen Without two things occurring, there has to be a death that is in the land, 
And we also know this, that the Israelites would not be able to resurrect, come up out of that land, unless they had supper first. The supper precedes the burial and the resurrection. I'm talking about the Passover supper. And what was on the menu was a lamb, which we know points to Yahshua the Messiah. And we also know that, that they had to eat it with bitter herbs. Now, all of this is symbolic, ladies and gentlemen, and pertinent in the way the purpose works. Now, Yahshua talked about, and I want to go over to John for a minute. I want to go over to, let's go first go to John 11. And I'm not going to have you read the whole thing. This is, this is with Lazarus, and I'm not going to get into the whole thing. I just want to uh, go to, um, I don't want to read this because I don't want to start, if I have you read something uh, too much, then it's going to get me off on a tangent. Uh, 24, start at 24. John 11 and 24. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now listen, Yahshua asked her a question further up and, and, and let her know that she, he, he knew that, that, uh, that Lazarus had died. And he asked her, uh, um, uh, he said, thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said, I know he's going to rise the last day. Read 30, 25, excuse me. 25. Yahshua said unto her, I am the resurrection. Now, I the am the resurrection. Read. And the life. And the life. Read. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Now, the only way for you to rise is to believe in Yahshua with that belief that will raise you from a state of death unto everlasting life. See? Now watch. I want to go over now to John, the sixth chapter. And I want you to go to down there where he talks about he's the bread. Oh, where is it now? 50. All right, thank you. Start from there. John 6 and 50. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which cometh down from heaven. Now, he talks about he's the living bread. Now, here he's talking about having something to eat. He's talking about how you're going to have to eat first. You're going to have to eat not to die. Right Now, we know from a natural standpoint, you have to eat to live, but it applies spiritually. Now, watch, read. 51, I am that living bread which came down from heaven. Now, I'm any... the living bread. Again, he repeats that he is the life. He is the living bread that came down from heaven. Read. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. Now, if you eat the bread that I'm talking about, you're going to live forever. Read. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Go ahead, go ahead and read. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now and listen, Yashua, listen, they're just dumbfounded. They're just completely, what did he, did I hear him right? He wants us to eat him? Now you've got to understand the impact that this would have on a carnal mind listening to this man 
whose doctrine astonished thousands, now he says to go ahead and eat him if you want to live. Now he's saying that in fulfillment of the scriptures. Why? But they don't know this. Because in the Exodus, the children of Israel could not come up out of the land of Egypt unless they ate that Passover lamb. Unless they ate that supper and ate that lamb with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, they were not going to get out of the land of Egypt. They were be killed by the death angel when it passed over their house. So supper, there's a supper that precedes the resurrection, which we're going to get into. Go ahead and read. 53. Then Yahshua said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in him. Wow. Wow, is that blowing their mind. Now listen, when they were in their houses, I remember there was a, one time a controversy early on in the 70s where they did where we people were arguing whether the blood was put on the outside of the door or the inside the outside seemed logical because as the death angel passed over it would see the blood on the outside of the door so oh, i'll leave that house alone so they went to dr kinley with it and this is what doc said he said well where's your blood is it on the outside of your body or on the inside and of course we all said the inside he said now that's where the blood was in those houses it was on the inside of the house which opens up another and i can't get into this either a whole nother thing of how that angel had the ability to discern the blood of the lamb inside that house within the confines of closed doors but i'm not going to get into that now go ahead and read 54 whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. You'll have eternal life and you'll be raised up at the last day. Read. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He now that listen, eateth my listen. His, he said that his blood and his flesh, they're life indeed. Read. Um, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. Go ahead. As as the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Mm -hmm. This Keep is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. Now he listen, listen, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not that bread that was back there in the wilderness that was a manifestation. Now, 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 uh, Sharon labor to try to get across the difference between a principle and a manifestation. And I want to make a comment about that. To be successful in this teaching, in order for you to come to an understanding of Yahweh and his purpose, you have to be able to separate a manifestation and a principle and not confuse the two. The bread back there at Mount si that was given to them in the wilderness was a manifestation. It did not have the power to give them eternal life. It was a type, shadow, and allegory. You have to see what the bread was a principle was manifesting, the principle that it was manifesting. And Yahshua's going to talk about that down here. He said, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Read. 59, these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? 
Now, you know, you think about this and you have to really digest this. You have to always ask, when did he say this? Who was he saying it to? Where was he saying the things that Dr. It was under the law. Everybody was still carnally minded. This man is speaking so far above their understanding that there's no way for them to comprehend what he really is saying here without the Holy Spirit. And his apostles did not know what to do with what they just heard him say. They were taken back. This is a hard saying. How can anyone hear it? Read. When Yahshua knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Does this offend you? Go ahead. What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. Look, I'm not talking about my physical body. I'm not talking about you eating my my uh, arm and my leg or, or drinking blood that you have to drain out of me out of the side. I'm not talking about that. He said the flesh doesn't profit you anything. Just like, and I want you to know that when you went to church and they said words over, and I remember as an altar boy when I was a kid, the priest would put his hands over the chalice where they had the host inside there and would speak Latin, which was a dead language back then, over this bread and people believed with a dead language that he turned those pieces of bread and host to the actual body and blood of Yahshua. And if he did that, guess what? The flesh doesn't profit you anything. And that's why you went up, you stuck your tongue out, they put that host on your tongue, and guess what? It didn't profit you anything. Because when you left that class, or that, 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 uh, that Sunday service, you went out and began to sin again that night. Or the next day. It didn't profit you anything. Because it's not the true flesh and blood of the principle of flesh and blood that Yahshua is referring to here, which is a spiritual principle. Read. It is the spirit that quickeneth not, I mean, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. That's what you're going to have to eat, ladies and gentlemen, is the knowledge the understanding of his words have to enter into your soul and enrich your consciousness and, uh, and mind and bring you to a higher level of consciousness and realization of Yahweh, how he actually is and truthfully exists. Those words are the flesh and blood of his soul that we have to partake of and eat in order to be risen from the dead. Now listen, if that... That's what it was. Then back there, when the Israelites were having supper, what we call the Passover, it's that Passover supper that they ate is symbolic of you coming down and hearing the preaching of the gospel. Go over to Romans, the 10th chapter, please. Romans 10, starting at 1? Well, no, we're not going to start at 1. I'm getting there right now. Okay. All right, let's go to, wow. Start at 8. Romans 10, 8. But what saith it? The word is near thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. Read. 
that that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Yahshua, thy mouth Yahshua, and shalt believe in thine heart that Yahweh hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now they have to confess that with their mouth. In other words, they have to preach it, ladies and gentlemen. Read. Uh, for with Ten. the heart man go ahead for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation read for the scripture saith whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed for for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek for it's the same master over all is rich unto all that call upon him read for for so whosoever shall call upon the name of Yahweh shall be saved. Read. How then shall they call on him? And now, how they are they going to be believed? saved? How are they going to get up out of that state of death? How is that going to happen? Read. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And Read. how shall they preach? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of priests, priests, the gospel of peace, and bring glad tidings of good things. Now listen, but they have, listen, let me say this now. Hold the phone for a minute. Before you could receive the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen, and be saved, you have to come down to class where there are able-bodied ministers that have had their feet prepared with the preparation of the gospel of peace to preach the true gospel to you right down at class. You can't come up out of Egypt. You can't resurrect from that state of death without the first, the preaching of the gospel. That's your Passover supper. You've got to come to class. And you say, well, if I come to class and I get it, then I don't have to come anymore. Well, did Yahweh say to the children of Israel, if you have a nice meal one year, you don't have to do this anymore and have Passover every year. You could just do it that one time. They were commanded to keep that throughout all their generations. Now, I want you to know that you need to get us ready a meal as often as possible in the understanding of the by the foolishness of preaching the gospel of Yahshua Messiah for you to continuously be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Class is where the supper is being put on, ladies and gentlemen. And what are we serving at every class? We're serving a lamb. And we're sprinkling the blood of the testimony at your consciousness. And I've heard many people and read in the uh, comments during sometimes the chat in YouTube where people talked about how they're come down for a good meal and after class talk about how the, they had a, a satisfying meal and were enriched and full. You need to come to class. And Dr. Kinley always emphasized the importance of coming to class to get the Passover supper to bring you up out of that Egypt. And when you're in a state of spiritual doldrums and feeling down and low, you need to come and get a meal and watch and stand still in your problems and your troubles and see the salvation that Yahshua will show you this day. 
and be brought through whatever kind of an it seems like a, a problem that cannot be solved. It's insurmountable. And how Yahshua can find a, a, a way of escape and bring you through that so that the devil does not devour you. Because that's what he's trying to do when you deal with the cares of this world, and that we all have them, to devour us in the things of the flesh, and to keep our mind off the spirit, and to try to prevent us from having faith in Yahshua the Messiah, and be willing to put all of our confidence in him, and to be patient, long-suffering, and wait for him to open the sea and bring us through. Now watch, go over to Ezekiel. 28, I believe it is. Uh, maybe it is in 28. I want you to get over there to uh, Ezekiel. Uh, let's see, maybe it is 28. Start at 1. I'll know I'll know as soon as you get there. Ezekiel 28 and 1. Ezekiel 28 and 1. The word of Yahweh came on came again unto me, saying, Son That's of not man. It. That's okay. not it. I want how he set him down in the valley. I don't know what chapter that is. Uh, 37. Thank you. The Valley of Dry Bones. That's what I want. Okay. Ezekiel 37 and 1. The hand of Yahweh was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of Yahweh and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Now those bones are souls, ladies and gentlemen. That's what they gender to. Read. Right. And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. These were dead bones. Read. Mm -hmm. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Yahweh Elohim, thou knowest. Now the question was, can these bones that are dead and dry and brittle, can they live? Mm -hmm. And he said, Thou knowest. Read. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of Yahweh. Now they had to get preached to, ladies and gentlemen, in order to be resurrected. They had to first be preached to or prophesied upon. Read. Thus saith Yahweh Elohim unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Now he's going to put breath back into you. So that you can live. Breath is the spirit. Read. Mm -hmm. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and ye shall live and ye shall know that I am now, Yahweh. Now he's not, he's not building up your physical body again. What he's doing is covering you in Yahshua the Messiah in the garments of beauty and glory, which is the divine nature. Those are the sinews, and the, what the sinews and the flesh are a manifestation of here is the spiritual reality of it is that you are being just like that bride that was adorned over there in Revelations 12. You are, you are clothed in the sun, which mm -hmm. is the divine nature. And your nakedness is being hidden in Yahshua the Messiah. See, and he's putting his breath in you, which is the ability to preach the gospel, and he is causing you to live. Read. Seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And listen, when you come down here, I don't know about you, if you've ever had this experience, I'll speak for myself. 
I have sat there at times when I first walked in this door and it has happened even uh, down to this many years right now that I'm sitting here and been shook up by the awesome power of the, the gospel that was being preached in the Holy Spirit bringing us to a realization of the absolute reality of what we're involved with down here in this class. You are coming face to face with your creator every time you sit in one of these lectures, whether you know it or not. And you are in the midst of a company of angels that are receiving the gospel right with you as it's being preached. Read. Eight. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon, up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Now they had that sinews and flesh, but there was no breath in them yet. Now when Yahshua came in for his ministry at 30 and began to preach, those apostles were having sinews and flesh put on them. What was that? All of those words that he spoke mm -hmm. was laid up in their brain there, and he told them later the Holy Spirit would bring it back to their remembrance whatsoever he said unto them. And at that point, the Holy Spirit would reveal the reality of the things that he spoke to them. Read. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith Yahweh Elohim, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Now remember when Yahshua, before he ascended, when he was with the apostles, after the resurrection, I believe, and I'll stand corrected on this, but I believe it was after the resurrection, he breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. Now that was retroactive. It didn't happen until the day of Pentecost, but he breathed upon them to fulfill this prophecy and told them to live. Read. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived. And on the day of Pentecost, they were sitting in that upper room, and there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. That rushing wind that came in there was a symbolic manifestation of the Holy Spirit entering into them in fulfillment of this prophecy here in Ezekiel. Read. Mm -hmm. And stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. And then, that day... Peter went out there and the apostles and started preaching the gospel. And 3,000, 3,000 people believed and were saved in that one day. By the power, by the foolishness of preaching, the Holy Spirit now opened up this teaching and revealed things to those 3,000 people that convicted them in the gospel and they became recipients of the Holy Spirit. And they were raised from the dead. And Dr. Kinley said to us all, you come in here with your grave. You bring it right in here with you. And just like Lazarus was laying in that grave, and they said, he said, roll back the stone, Yahshua told him. They said, he stinketh, for he had been laying in there for four days. When Adam died, Dr. Kinley said he didn't die 930 years later. He died the moment he ate that fruit. His inner man was dead inside that body and he said this he said where the man died that's where we're going to have to pick him up again and he didn't mean in the garden of eden he died within his heart and his mind in his conscience and mankind was dead for four days 
from Adam down to the Messiah. One day equals a thousand years or four thousand years. And when Yahshua uh, was preaching to those men and opening up their, their, their inner man was dead and it stunk. And when you walk in the room, you have a smell about you when you first walk in there. To those that know, this person doesn't understand yet. They don't know Yahweh or his purpose. So we need to take them and loose them from those grave clothes and clean them and anoint them and prepare them for the receiving of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we do with the preaching of the gospel to your inner man or your soul. And what do we get rid of? Here's what stinks, ladies and gentlemen. Your theories, concepts, and opinions. They have to be washed away. They have to be cleansed. Your carnal mind has to be circumcised and cut away. And you become a partaker of the supper. And you become a recipient of the Holy Spirit. And Dr. Kinley said, you sit on that chair when you walk in here dead on arrival, DOA. You drag your grave right in here with you. And by the foolishness of preaching, you are raised from the dead, sitting right on that chair, never to die anymore. Because once you've received a revelation, you can never go back into darkness again. And once you've heard this teaching preached, if you really see what we're talking about, you'll, Dr. Kelly said, once you catch on to what I'm talking about, you'll die just that way. You will, it will never be taken away from you. And it will resonate in your soul unto life everlasting. This is truly the celebration of the resurrection that people out there think they're celebrating by eating rabbit or whatever, or ham uh, on, on Easter and eating an... Uh, 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 you know, a chocolate egg or whatever, you are getting the true supper. Every time you come into class, we celebrate the resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing once you understand how Yahshua has called us and he has brought us in and he has cleansed us, he has fed us his words and cleaned us up and caused us to be full of the Spirit. And I remember so many classes when I... When I was new in the school, I, I, I would walk out of the class and I, I, I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't, th my head is full. I can't, I can't think anymore. We would sit with Doc and he would start talking to us and I'd have to get up after a certain amount of time and w take a walk outside. I was so overwhelmed with the knowledge and the understanding. I had, I needed time to digest. And all I want you to know is, Come on down to keep coming to class. Don't tire from coming to class. Don't let the devil snatch away your your eternal life. Because at the end, at the end, if you have hang, hung on and held this true to the end and held your confidence in this to the end, the reward is far greater than anything you've ever had to suffer since you've been living in this life. Please believe that promise and let it be what guides you and causes you to be empowered to continue on in this teaching. I hope you got something out of it. Thank you for the time. I'll hand it back to the moderator. Peace in Yahshua. Thank you, Dr. Bolby. That concludes this class. We do meet every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And we invite, <clears throat> invite everyone to come 
supportive to get in here the true gospel mm. yes, the Messiah being taught. So now the doxology. <clears throat> now unto Yahshua, the disabled, to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. The only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua Messiah, our sovereign, along glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time, now and ever, we'll all say, Hallelujah. 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 Wait a minute here till Sharon now ends the recording. Let us know. <laughs> 